welcome to the Grid Podcast from eSmart Networks. My name is Simon Gallagher, Managing Director of eSmart Networks, and today we've got our usual guest on the show, which is Brian Murhead, one of our Grid Connection Managers. Brian, do you just want to give the usual introduction into who you are and what you do, please? Yeah, hi, my name is Brian Murhead. I'm Grid Connection Manager with eSmart Networks. I've spent my whole career as a power systems engineer looking at connecting all things renewables, large-scale industrial and EV charging to the grid. Thank you very much. So today's episode is all about flexible connections. So Offgem released their significant code review back in May. And at the time we talked about that, we talked about the distribution charging, how that was going to change. And we will recap that briefly. But today is all about the second half of that document, which got slightly overshadowed, but is very important. And that is all about the flexible connection arrangements or network access arrangements as are known. So it is going to be a quite technical one. It's going to be about how we can connect to the network flexibly. <laughs> That's what today's podcast is all about. So just taking a step back then, significant code review back in May. In there, just to recap, we had a change to the connection boundary, which basically means from April next year, connecting customers will no longer have to pay for reinforcement. That's demand-only customers. And that is a big, big change, which is going to take millions of pounds off some people's bills. If you're a generator trying to connect, you will have to pay for reinforcement, but only at the voltage you're connecting at. So for example, if you're connecting a 33 kV solar farm and the 132 kV needs reinforcing, you won't pay for that. You will only pay for the reinforcement at 33 kV. So we've already spoke about that. That was in episode... Four, I think, which is all about connection charges. This is all about flexible connection. So let's talk about where we are today. So today, if a generator wants to connect to the EHV network and there's not the capacity to do it, the DNOs sometimes and sometimes don't offer what they currently call a flexible connection. So today, if I'm connecting, what does that mean and what's the issues with it? Yeah, so at the minute, particularly, this is mainly focused in the generation world and, and we'll get on to what the off-gem document talks about, but it's going to widen it out. But primarily, it's focused for generation connections. And you'll hear terms such as ANM, which stands for Active Network Management. You'll hear terms such as DERMS, Distributed Energy Resource Management Systems. You'll hear about flexible connections, curtailed connections. And it's all roughly the, the same idea. Effectively, there might not be enough capacity on the network. Let's say it's a, a 132 to 33 kV transformer. The DNO will install a device at that transformer Say it's 90 MVA capacity, it'll watch the transformer. If it goes to go above the 90 MVA, then it'll send a signal downstream to the solar farm or, or whatever the generator is to curtail that back. So great idea in theory. You spend a minimal amount of money on some intelligent kit and that lets you connect much more cheaply than it would cost to upgrade that transformer. But um, I think a lot of developers out there will have experience with curtail connections and ANM connections or DERMS connections and there is quite a bit of frustration across the industry in terms of it's been rolled out as a bit of a patchwork. You know, some DNOs are quite well ahead with it, have it quite well defined. Some DNOs are just starting to roll out across their network. One of the big frustrations is the inconsistency in the information you get. So there's different methodologies for how DNOs are doing it. There's different methodologies for how they predict their curtailment. And obviously, if you're going to be curtailed or switched off, a huge bear in it is like the crux of how you might finance a project. Are you going to be able to generate or not? So the, there's huge inconsistency in how the DNOs are doing that and inconsistency in the amount of data and information developers get. So it's quite hard to judge the risk around some of these curtailed connections and how that might impact the bottom line. So in principle, I want to connect to 33 kV solar farm. 
The network is only heavily loaded on the sunniest day of the year because there's other solar farms in the area. So I strike an agreement with Western Power Distribution where for a certain amount of time they will curtail me, as in they will switch me off. But it means I can connect. That sounds good to me. What's the issue with that then? At present, you don't actually know. You could be turned off all year round and there's no recourse. Literally, you could spend 30 million developing this solar farm and end up having your generation constrained at the minute, it's all a bit of a, I don't want to say guesswork, it's not as bad as that, but it's neither here nor there and it's quite inconsistent between different yes. DNO regions as well. So trying to assess how much generation you're going to be able to actually output and sell and what the turnover of that solar farm is can be very, very difficult and, and frustrating. Yeah, so Offgen went out, consulted, and the big message come back was that from the, especially the solar and the wind developers was that we like flexible connections, the principle is good, but we need some certainty as to when we're going to be curtailed because that affects our cash flow and our and our revenue. So Offgem went out, consulted, thought about all kinds of, of solutions. So what have Offgem actually come up with then, Brian, in terms of, because this is the final proposal now, this is what is going to happen. So what world are we heading into then and what's the main changes? Yeah, so there's three main aims that Offgem came up with. Uh, so I'll touch on those and then touch on the, the three main changes then. So one of the main aims was to have more consistent access rights, so more consistency around the whole flexibility thing. So that concern I was talking about there where a lot of the frustration is around the inconsistency between different DNOs. So that was one of the aims, uh, to try and standardize flexible connections a bit more. The other was then reducing risk and providing greater certainty for the customers and connecting parties. Obviously, if developers have reduced levels of risk, that uh, makes it easier to finance. And that means ultimately there's going to be more renewables connected to the grid and potentially EV charging and other low carbon technologies. And the other item was it was providing a regulator or standardized framework that DNOs can sort of rely upon and use. It's another tool in the DNOs toolbox to manage and effectively develop their network. So that was an underlying principle of what they were trying to achieve as well. When it came to the actual decisions then, so one of them is around making non-firm arrangements available and basically regulating for it. So we'll touch on some of the details around that. So basically they're going to standardize some of how the flexible connections will work and that's standardizing across the DNO regions and putting it out there so that you as a developer, you know what to expect when you're looking at a flexible connection. You know the information you're going to expect to receive and there's just going to be generally less risk involved then. It's going to be a more standardized product. I think just before we go any further, we should explain the difference in firm and non-firm. So this is all around non-firm connections. So if you ask a DNO for a firm connection, that means that you have a normal connection. So if you go off supply, it's a fault effectively, or it's maintenance, but it's a high standard of supply that most people have now. This is all about where the connection is non-firm, and this is where the grayness comes in about, yeah, I'm non-firm, but, but what does that actually mean? So you're referring to non-firm curtailable connections here, yeah. Yeah, so it, it is actually important to distinguish there. So in old money, if you like, there's a lot of debate around what firm and non-firm means, but as like sort of power system engineers with connections background, you know, firm and non-firm typically would have been like an N or an N minus one, which basically means it is your supply capable to withstand one part of the network failing or not. But this interruptible or, or supply interruptions due to equipment failure sits outside of, of this. So this is more about smarter active network type management, monitoring load flows in the network and reacting kind of real time. Where there's an outage and a, and a cable fails or a transformer fails, that interruptible supply sit outside of this. And I think the rationale for that was inter supply interruptions due to severe weather or, or, or equipment failures 
they're already kind of covered. There's a lot of regulation and yeah. governance and standards yeah. already around all that, as you'll well know. So Okay, so there's three main changes then. Yeah, so three main standardizing just the flexible uh, access arrangements, and we'll go into more detail on that. It is important to note small users won't have access to flexible arrangements. So small users was defined as uh, domestic customers, people who have whole current metering. It makes sense. Um, yeah. It makes sense that so not... my mum can't get one, and your mum <laughs> yeah. can't get one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, mum. <laughs> well, imagine even you bought a house and, and you moved in, and, and next thing your lights were getting turned off at you yes. know, Christmas Day or something. Yes. So that was clearly not a good idea, and and off Gem have rightly, in my opinion, it's only accessible to larger customers who will have... Well, they're more informed. Yeah. The idea is that they should understand what they're asking for, yeah. Yeah. And another principle then, one of the big changes is the DNOs will now have to set a curtailment limit with the customer. So at present, the DNOs uh, in most regions just give a type of curtailment estimate, but there's no guarantees, there's no... Not worth the papers yet, not essentially. It's like, well, you might go off for... 15 hours yeah, in a month. But it could be twice that, it yeah. could be four times. There's no guarantees around that at all. So going forward then, Ofgem has said, well, the DNOs now must set a curtailment limit and it has to be a hard and fast limit so that effectively, if you get curtailed above that limit, the DNO then, Ofgem's preferred option for the DNO is for the DNO then to procure flexibility services from their network to make that up. So effectively, to put a real world example on that. Well, it may be that actual connection, they may pay that solar farm more not to produce on that day. Yeah, but I think they're supposed to do it through a, a market mechanism. Yeah. So it might result in rather than turn a solar farm off, they go to the market and they say in that area, they say, right, we'll pay X amount if somebody can turn up their demand. So it might be a battery connection, it might mm. be a factory. Mm-hmm. They'll turn up their demand, absorb the solar power and the solar farm doesn't get turned off. So that reduces a lot of risk. That moves a lot of risk away from the developer onto the DNO. The other option, if they can't procure flexibility services, it may be then upgrading the network. So it provides that incentive you know, for the DNO to consider. They want the DNOs to consider flexibility services first, but it may well be more efficient to upgrade the network. What's the teeth there? What, what's to stop the DNO just going over the curtailment? So they're putting a curtailment cost cap in there. So if the DNO goes above the curtailment limit, they either need to make it up through flexibility services and avoid the situation. But if they do go over that limit, they have to provide compensation to the, the client. Yeah, and, and the idea is that that limit should be set high enough that it's above the cost of procuring the services. So it's a real disincentive not to allow this curtailment to go over the limits that's been set in the connection agreement. Exactly. Yeah. It should be cheaper for the DNO to procure the services or, or upgrade the network. Uh, so that's quite big, and that removes a lot of risk for developers out of these uh, flexible and curtailed connections. And the other big one then is putting in end dates for these curtailed or flexible arrangements. Now, this won't happen in every case. So if you're happy with a, an enduring flexible solution, if it works for your project, you can agree to have that on a longer term basis. But where the flexible solution is only in play to get you connected quicker, the DNO has to put on paper an end date for that. Yeah. And again, that brings with it incentive for the DNO to actually, if they're upgrading their network or, or doing other works, it's, an, it's a big incentive for the DNO to actually get those works done on time because after they end date, they are then liable to, again, compensate you or go out and provide or procure those flexible services on the network because your curtailment must end on that date. I mean, it is interesting that because there are scenarios where customers will be happy actually with the curtailment. For example... If we're, and again, for a 33 kV solar farm connecting, and to make it fully firm with no curtailment in the contract, it means uh, 132 kV reinforcement. It may be cheaper for us to take the curtailment. 
than pay towards the reinforcement of the 132KB network. I think a lot of generation will actually end up on a flexible connection without an end date. Yeah, and I suppose as these flexibility markets evolve and everything as well, developers will be looking to play in those and, and mm. play off those as well. So yeah, uh, we'll maybe touch on that a bit in terms of what we think the outcomes of all this is going to be. Okay, so if I'm a developer, a generation developer, so I'm going to build out some solar or some batteries even or some biomass or wind, what does this mean in real terms for me and my project? So number one benefit you should see from this, starting at the upfront stage, is clarity and of curtailment information. So again, I did allude to it earlier, it's one of the big frustrations in the industry is, is getting the right info, seeing that it's calculated in, in a standardized way. So basically Offgem has tasked the DNOs with all going away, standardizing their approach to predicting curtailment, curtailment reports, the information they provide to customers, and that's all going to be regulated, I think, through Jacuzzi. Um, Jacuzzi, yeah. Yeah, so yep. that, that will be in uh, sort of regulated sort of standards that the DNOs have to adhere to. That should be a big benefit across the industry where developers, no matter where you're developing, you should be starting to see more standardized information that you can actually probably rely a bit more on. And it, that should reduce risk in and of itself, particularly around even standardizing the methodologies that the DNOs use to predict curtailment as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, another big benefit here is, as we alluded to earlier, it's a lot lower risk now for developers where Offgem have consciously made the decision to shift risk towards the DNOs by making them set both this curtailment limit and also the end date for curtailment as well. So just dealing with the curtailment limit first, yeah, you're going to want to make sure you, you see that curtailment limit in your connection offer. So Offgem have specifically said that that curtailment limit is to be in DNO connection offers. Mm-hmm. So again, that'll be a big, you know, a lot of developers will be breathing the sigh of relief to hear that, getting that information up front at the start of the process and it being clear and actually something you can rely upon. And the second point of that, the end date, particularly for demand connections, if, if you're looking at EV charging, for example, where you're looking at a flexible connection to get you connected fast, but again, as you've alluded to earlier, you're not going to have to pay for your reinforcement costs now. So if you're using the flexible connection to connect on while you're waiting on the reinforcement to happen, you want to make sure you're getting that end date in your connection offer for the flexibility services because that will really incentivize the DNO to deliver those upgrade works or, or else compensate you in, in other ways or procure other services come the time. Another big thing will be this totally incentivizes new flexibility markets on the mm-hmm. DNO networks. Like this is laying the groundwork for in- incentivizing those markets. Where Offgem have been very clear, they expect the DNOs to look at a, f- a flexibility first almost type scenario where they're being clear with them that they should be looking to procure flex services. So that's quite a big statement from Offgem. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a few statements in there where they, they are clearly expecting the DNOs to be procuring flexibility services from the market and that in itself will set up new markets that developers, whether it's EV charging, whether it's renewables, batteries especially, batteries are, are right at the heart of flexibility. There's lots of opportunities then that will be added on to, to these technologies that might help make uh, projects more feasible as well. Okay, so well, I think that really sums it up. There's no point making it much more complicated than that. So anything to add before I boil it down into the very simple, this is what you need to know? The only one other thing I would add there is that it doesn't apply to existing curtail connections. Mm-hmm. So if anybody's out there with an existing curtail connection on an A&M or a DERMS or, or any of the other lingo you want to use for it, you would need to go through some sort of application process to transition into this new world. So, Well, it's actually the full connection process you have to go through. Yeah. So again, we'll not go into the detail on that here, but I definitely would advise anybody if you have a, a curtail connection, definitely do look into that. Or speak to us. They can indeed. (laughs) 
Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Brian. So to boil that down into his constituent parts, flexible connections will be regulated. On your connection offer, you'll be told how many hours per year you will be curtailed. If you're curtailed over that, well, you won't be because the DNO is not really allowed to curtail you. But if they have to switch off a bit of their network or do whatever they need to do, then they will have to procure services from other people to keep you on. And if they don't, they'll have to pay what are going to be pretty punitive fees. So really, the idea is that 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 curtailment number, which is hours per year in your connection offer, you can bank on that. You can use that in your in your models. That's really the thing that matters, isn't it? Yep. And the the end date as well for curtailment. For, yes. For, Probably more so that'll apply to the demand connections, I would imagine, rather than than generation where you might want to have flexibility on an endurance solution. But absolutely. Um, so I think our our advice on that is if you've got a demand connection, just a purely demand connection, always insist on an end date because you won't pay for the reinforcement. But if you're a generator, it may be more cost advantageous to stick with the curtailment rather than paying for reinforcement in the future. Yeah. So again, it is a bit more nuanced when you go yeah. into large-scale generation connections. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Brian. That is the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening, everybody. Please do subscribe. If you have any questions, please contact us at thegrid at esmartnetworks.co.uk. That is thegrid at esmartnetworks.co.uk. Thank you very much. <laughs>